Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissident thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you, as always, from the top of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procuffsively proficient co-host, calling in from Charm City, Maryland, my pal Odell. Odell, what is happening? What's going on, man? Nothing. So something weird happened today. Let me kind of set up the context for this. Oh, and by the way, we've Uh-oh. got D back there lurking <laughs> in the background like she always is. Lurk, lurk, lurk. Blah, 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 blah. Very <laughs> Halloween-ish of her. <laughs> so back during the summer, my buddy Brian reached out to me. And he was like, hey, man, um, I know you have a lot of videos and pictures from back in the day. Can you start posting them in one place? And I was like, well, you know, a lot of the people I grew up with have me blocked now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start another page, <laughs> Rufus Waldorf. And I like the name Rufus. So I was like, I'll just name it Rufus Waldorf. And I'll just start everything I have. I'll just start fucking scanning it in and start doing videos for it. Putting up all the videos. Because I had a whole bunch of VHSs. And we had this converter box. Right. And I converted them all over. So I'm putting all these um, videos up. And Brian's like, hey, man, can you do another Waldorf Worldwide show? Because I know you did one a couple years ago showcasing all the bands. We all grew up in Southern Maryland playing music. You know, the big, um, I guess, claim to fame is Good Charlotte came from Southern Maryland from Waldorf. And can you put that together again and do like a second episode? And I was like, yeah, dude, I can do that. Because FDA, even though we played some FDA and talked about them, there was nobody from FDA on that episode. They weren't represented. So I told Brian, I said, yeah, absolutely, dude. So I I put the page up and the first thing out of my mouth, very first post, I said this, because I knew there were going to be people on there that I didn't get along with. I said, this is not a political (laughs) page. First libtard remark, first fucking pussy snowflake remark in your block. And it took somebody, like, I put that up at night, woke up the next morning, there was already someone attacking liberals on a picture of a man. And I had to block them. <laughs> that shows you where we are. Oh, gosh. Anyway, yep, so here's yep. the weird thing. So every day, you know, Facebook shows you your memories. And guess what came across my memory for today? What was that? You, I, I'm surprised you didn't get one. The first Waldorf Worldwide show. It is two fucking years to the day. The last one we Holy did was moan. October yeah. 10th. Um, actually, I think it's three years. It was either two or three. I'd have to go back and look. I think but it's it was, three. I think it's three because um, Kevin and Mariana got married around this time last or two years ago. Right. So, so it is three I years. Think, so three years yeah, to the day. Three. Not This dude, this was not planned at all. I just picked a random day when we, we were both available to do another show. I didn't even know what month we did the last one. I haven't like even looked at it. I mean, I went back and shared it a while ago, but I haven't been paying attention at it. I promise you I didn't do this on right. purpose. What the fuck are the chances that this is being broadcast the same day as our first, the same, you know, 10-10? As the first one. Our first one. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. There you go. Is the, is the universe <laughs> trying to tell us something? All right. Um, D, tell us who we've got coming up, where they can find us, and I want to get our first, I guess, caller. I don't want to call him a guest because he's a friend of ours. Yes. So let's say first caller. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this Sunday, we actually have George Basil. Uh, you probably know him from Wrecked because season two, right, is on now? Three. Season three. three. Just finished. 
on PBS. <laughs> and he's from on um, that Pete Holmes show on HBO, Crashing. Yes. So yeah. great, great, funny guy. We're going to have George Basil on Sunday. And then next week, we're going to have Mama Creepy joining us for a super awesome episode. And we're going to have our Halloween special with the Dancing Pumpkin himself, Matt Geiler. You may have seen him <laughs> everywhere on YouTube, on memes, on Dunkin' Donuts commercials, and on America's Got Talent this year or la- this last year. Uh, no, two years ago. My bad. And we are told you we're old. Time starts all mushing together. We're also going to have Strangling Jack, Chris Weidman on, who if you got to be fortunate enough to see the Evil Dead live show out in Vegas, that would be him. And we're going to have a super duper special guest co-host, and that would be Mama Creepy, who's podcast will be very soon debuting on tincan.media halloween day yes and we've also got Haley kane of Haley and the crushers coming on musical osmosis next month and of course you can find this and all the nifty shows on www.tincan.media that's all you need to type we don't make it that hard stop thinking too hard um and you can also if you have the castbox.fm app you can find Musical Osmosis and Kettle of Fish there, as well as iTunes. So just search for us, and we've got some more stuff. I would contend this is America. Mm-hmm. People aren't thinking too hard. They're not thinking hard enough. That's true. I don't think you have to tell people to think not to think too hard. That's true. Let's not now, shall we? People are it's flipping good. out about Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. They think she's part of a Jewish conspiracy now because she's voting Democrat. Yeah. So let's not say people oh, yeah. are thinking too hard. All right, let's yeah. get our first caller in here today from my old band, Even Steven, um, the singer that kind of brought it all together, Mr. Bobby Barron. Hey, hello, Bobby. Hello. Um, you are you're actually driving Uber as you speak to us, right? I am. I'm sitting in the in the Uber waiting lot at at uh, Reagan National right now. Nice. You uh, know, um, one thing about Even Steven is Bobby Barron. Brad Keg, Paco. Nobody believed these were our real names, I don't think. Like, would you believe somebody's name was fucking in a punk band? Their name was Bobby Barron. I got that before, too. I got, I got that before. They were like, Bobby Barron? Why does that rhyme with Bobby Darren? Is that like the punk rock version of Bobby Darren? Is that, is that what you're going for? <laughs> don't feel bad, dude. Oh, I used to tell people um, years after the fact, they were like, what, what was your old band? I said, Even Steven. And they'd be like, was it named after that Disney show? And I was like, you caught me. I was like, this close to naming it, that's so Raven. But I was like, fuck it. I'll go with even Steven. How'd that sound? Also, another thing that got diluted is I got this really cool tattoo a few years ago of Abraham Lincoln. He's like in a leather jacket and his hair is spiky and he's smoking a cigarette. He's all punked out. And bad luck, about a week after I got that fucking tattoo... Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter came out, and all these tweets <laughs> at the mall were like, "Oh my God, is that Abe oh, Lincoln now? Like Vampire Hunter?" And then I was like, "Fuck!" Now I gotta wear leg warmers the rest of the year. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> my God, this could only happen to me. All right, so Bobby, two, three years ago, whatever it was, you weren't able to call into the show because we weren't talking. Bob, and I think I did. The, I did call into the show. You called it. You called it to the Waldorf. I thought that was the Even Steven show. Well, no, I called into the Waldorf one, I believe. I thought I did. I don't know, dude. No, I, think it was, you, I think it was the even Steven one. Yeah, I was going to say, me and you and yeah. the not talking and deleting each other and then talking again so much, you're like an ex-girlfriend. I've had less drama yep, with I ex-girlfriends. Know. 
That's true. <laughs> that, that just shows you how much you love me, though. I guess, man. Like, you're not getting any alimony from me. So no, no. I well, I just got a divorce, and I got I got zippy out of that divorce. So and you're prettier <laughs> than a lot of my exes. So that's oh, an added I am. I am. I get a lot of compliments on my eyes lately. That's I got nice eyelashes <laughs> apparently. Well, that's just in the Uber though, because that's all they see is my eyes in the rearview mirror. And those fabulous barren <laughs> ashes. Maybe he's born it's with it. Dudes. Maybe it's, it's barren. It's mostly dudes that say it to me, so that's a little weird, I guess. Why? <laughs> you sure do got pretty <laughs> eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why would Sling Blade say that? Sling Blade doesn't like men. <laughs> no, it just sounded like he would, though. You know. Alright, um, let's dig into some Even Steven, and then we'll dig into some Waldorf stuff. Uh, let me get an opinion here from Bobby because Odell, you were an even Steven, but it was very temporary kind of fill in thing when Paco went. I was like the, I was the impromptu drummer. So it was like, I filled in his spots. Yeah, I I was, I mean, mean, there were times where like, God bless Nick, man. Nick would be like, Hey, Odell, can you help me out? I'm like, yeah. So I'd practice. And then like the very next day. He'd be like, Oh, by the way, we're playing a show. I'm like, Oh, in DC. (laughs) It's sort of a bunch of drunk ass people, and here's six new songs. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun, man. That band, that band was a lot of fun. So you've been in a lot of bands, Bobby. Would you say it was the best band you were ever in? Yeah, I would. I would. It was the most. Uh, it was the most shows I ever played in a band. Especially we never that, stopped uh, playing shows. Was... No, we didn't, man. That road trip from uh, to was it Kutztown, Pennsylvania, all the way to Virginia Beach. We were playing we yeah. played that, uh, that bed and breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I put video up. Did you guys see the uh, video I put up of that bed and breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. What do you think of that Rufus Waldorf page? Was there a lot of shit in there that you forgot about? Was Did I have pictures where you're like, holy shit, you've got pictures of this? Yeah. Yeah, dude, like I was just seeing myself. I mean, I look totally different now. Just seeing those pictures of my hair. and uh, I remember, I guess I used to put... Uh, a bunch of peroxide in my hair and make it look orange. I don't know why I did that. Those <laughs> pictures, you can see a lot of that crap in there. Dude, and I hear something. Here's something embarrassing. Because if you think peroxide peroxide's embarrassing, I used to refuse to play with a guitar strap. Strap. Because yep. right. Because I was yeah. like, my stick is going to be the strapless bass player. How'd that work and out? You didn't too. Really funny. <laughs> yeah, so you wouldn't let anybody to your bass. <laughs> he said, I don't want it to sound solid. That's what he's <laughs> but I think that was part of its charm, right? I mean, people dug us. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But you still want the notes to be in tune, even if you don't want it to sound solid. <laughs> Nick would hey. be like, no, my bass is fine. <laughs> Dude, I let you guys tune my bass for the album. So take the fucking win. Um, I remember one time Andy right. Dorsey tuned your bass and, and like literally people were taking pictures because they were like, oh my God, <laughs> Andy's tuning Nick's bass. How is Andy Dorsey? Get this on, call get this on film. <laughs> Andy's, doing, Andy's doing good. He's married. Uh, yeah. I think he just uh, purchased a, a, a nice little new home. and So he's in the process of doing all that stuff. So he's been pretty busy here. It's actually week. his last <laughs> birthday tonight. So he said he wouldn't probably be able to call in. Yeah, yeah, his wife's birthday is tonight, yeah. So happy birthday, Marla. 
So let's hit this, man. Let's mix this up. And Bobby, I'll ask you the question because I know you weren't on here two, three years ago or whatever. That even Stephen no. episode we did was 2013. Can you believe that? Oh, that's crazy, man. Whoa. Jeez. That was one of the first episodes we ever did. So let me ask yeah. a question I always ask anybody when we're talking about Wilmers or Waldorf or Waldorf bands. Was the Waldorf music scene, in your opinion, special and isolated, like little pocket that didn't exist anywhere else or was rarely existed anywhere else? Or are we just romanticizing it because we were part of it? No, absolutely, man. I thought I, thought, I think the music scene at Waldorf was, it was important, I thought. I, I mean, there was nothing like it. Now you look at the music scene today, and because I'm in it, I take pictures of local bands all the time down in Waldorf, down in St. Mary's, down in Calvert, and it's just a bunch of cover bands, really. That's all it is. You know, there's no, nobody puts together a show where you have a bunch of original bands, and, you know, it's... Uh, so it's nobody's special. doing what I was doing back in the day, running nope, out crazy nobody, places. Nobody, man. Nobody. They're all their own entity, you know? There's no... There's no togetherness like it was. Well, I know to prepare for the show, I went online and tried to find something about the Waldorf music scene currently as it exists. I was like trying to pull up clubs and it's like Joe's bingo parlor. And just like, like there was nothing. And I was like, is there no fucking music scene left in Waldorf? Well, no, not really. Not Waldorf. I mean, Waldorf has become a, a you know different place. It's, it's so crowded now. And everybody that was part of that, you know, our music scene back in the day, they've all either moved a little further south or they've, you know, gotten out of the area. So, mm, yeah. It's, uh, and the bands that, that do play in Waldorf, I mean, they, they, for the most part, just play the Tri-County area. There's nobody just, you know, it's not just Waldorf anymore. There's a lot of music down there. And it's, it is a lot of country music, too. Oh, man. There's no, uh, there's no old school punk bands, man. Well, that's for no sure. Hardcore, I don't... No, car, no hardcore FDA, you know? Yeah. Um, Odell, I, I know we've talked about this before. Are we romanticizing or was Waldorf, um, Wilmers? I know Sand Jam was something totally different. I mean, were these special things, <laughs> special places? Or is it like, you know, there's some kid right now in Oklahoma and Tulsa, like, we've got the greatest music scene that the history's ever seen. No, I think, I think, well, I thought it was, uh, it was special. Um, I think it was unique because there were so many different styles of bands that were playing down there. So, I mean, you had everybody from, you know, playing like indie rock to, you know, death metal for crying out loud. It's funny, like, you know, I'll see a dying fetus poster somewhere and I'm like, you know, some random person will be like, I'll be like, you know, I'll, we'll walk by and I'm like, oh, Linus, I play with that band and some guy next to me is like, what? You play with dying fetus? I'm like, yeah, yeah. 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 And, you know, yeah. you know, stuff like that. They're like, how did, what, wait, where did that happen? You know? <laughs> But I so still I have this a, collective thing, though, in me. Just to interrupt real quick, I still have this collective thing in me, and I do it with these podcast shows as well, where I don't want to just be a one-trick pony. I want to be a 1,000-trick pony, right? So that's why back then, mm -hmm. I, I think I'm the first person I ever heard of that booked like 16 punk hardcore bands with 16 DJs because I wanted those cultures to mix. I like to mix it up with different types of bands. I think that keeps stuff interesting. I didn't want to just like do a straightforward, you know, three band punk show. I mean, that's fine once in a while, but I wanted to break up that monotony and mix it in with different right. stuff. Well, the well, the nice thing was was that our friends um, had different um, were into so many different things too. So that really added to the mix as far as like our you know not all of our friends were into punk rock or not all of our friends were into, 
you know, going to going to raves or whatever it was at the time. So, you know, but we all got along because we all had a sense of, you know, we were, we, we had some sort of common bond if it was just, you know, the, what we did or how we looked at people or how we accepted people. So, you know, you know, a Hell, lot of that I mean, Onus, Dionic, and even Steven, you couldn't get three more different bands unless you did like opera, country, and death metal. But for rock yeah, bands, but we, you couldn't really get different bands than that. No, but what I'm saying is, but we were all friends. So right. we all were very accepting of each other. So, yeah, if Onus played, you know, you know, you like, I, I remember our first show we ever played, uh, the first time I think pretty much anybody played at the Metro was when we played and we opened for Undermine at the Metro. And that was us going, Andy being friends with Bill, who was the front man for Undermine. And we went over to his house and we gave him our demo. And he asked us, he was like, you guys want, you know, 35 minutes, 40 minutes. And we were like, yeah. And, and I remember some people were like, why is, you know, well, Kid Dynamite at the time playing with Undermine at the Metro or, you know, and playing with some other hardcore bands. And it wasn't because it was just the fact that they accepted it as, oh, well, this genre should play with this genre it was more the fact that all oh, these guys are cool. We're cool. Let's get together. And, you know, we ended up, you know, selling out the place. So, you know, that. But the I people that, that went really to those helped. shows never complained. I mean, someone on the outside might have thought it was no. weird, but nobody was at the show like, what the fuck's going on here? No, and that was, that was because pretty much all of Waldorf was in that joint. <laughs> so everybody yeah. knew everybody. And <laughs> so that was great. It was just one of those opportunities for everybody to see, like, wow, we can actually get out here and do, do things. You know, there's no limit in what we can do. So I, I Bobby, think that really helped out with the cause, yeah. too. Our first show there, I, I believe it was with We Headline, and it was FDA and Eastern Front, I think. Was on Easter yeah. Sunday, and we sold. I remember that out. show. On Easter Sunday, yeah, was, we sold that shit out. Yeah, that was the night after Pod played there too. Yep, and you'd look you out through that, that crowd. POD? Yeah, I remember. Yep. Them. but you'd look out in that crowd, and you would see a, a sea of Waldorfians sprinkled with some DC hardcore kids. But it was definitely the Waldorf scene; like they went everywhere. I don't know. Was that? Did you go with us, Adele, when we went to Percival, Virginia, on a Monday night? It was like three hours away at that stupid, um, like rec center for the um, junior league of like the World Series of Junior League Baseball. No, no, no. That was uh, no. I didn't go to that show. Paco. I think I might even have been in too. school. If, if uh, yeah, that was definitely Paco. Yeah. Well, Jason, but I remember you telling me the, the story about that. Yeah, and it was like, you know, there was a line. It was like fucking Smokey and the Bandit. There was like 30 cars driving three hours to Percival on a Monday because it was us, Dionic, and Burgundy. And I was just like, look at this dedication, man. Look at all these people driving three hours on a Monday to support the Waldorf yeah. music scene. That was crazy. Well, hell, I remember. You remember when we played in Baltimore? The very first time we played in Baltimore, we played at uh, Kid Dynamite played at the Copycat. This was even before Dave was in the band. Actually, Dave came up there with you guys and saw us play. And then after that, we started talking and then that's how Dave uh, joined the band. But there was hardly anybody there initially. And then you guys rolled in and rolled in with like 20 some odd people. And it was like, Oh snap, Waldorf's here. <laughs> it was like, all right. All right, brother. Well, it was good having you on. Yeah, that's man, fun, man, you guys need right. more people to call in. We're, I got to listen. I definitely got to listen. 
Well, I'm going to post it. All right, Bonnie. We're not live. The stories y'all have, I'm just saying. Bye-bye. Like, I can't even. You wonder why I believe in God. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but Odell, you could testify to this. We weren't that crazy 90% of the time. No, no. We we were... We were not. We were usually the ones that were. If if stuff was to break out, we were the ones that were trying to calm it down. We weren't. We were never the people. We no. First of all, that, we always thought that was stupid. Like when people would come in and be like, "Oh," we're like, "Really? You're you're. We're in Waldorf. You're at a party. Have fun. Why why are you trying to start a fight with you know? Why are you trying to be Clint from freaking uh you know uh Days and Confused here? You know, just just be cool and have a good time. That's what we were pretty much all about. Now, if people decide to start stuff, we, we, we could hold our own. Right. <laughs> we, we could definitely hold our own, but, but it, it would take a lot. But most of the time people were, I mean, I mean, we hung out like 24 seven. I mean, there were moments where I, like, I think I hung out at Nick's house more than I was at my folks house, you know, yeah. especially when I come home from school and, and, and during the summers and, I remember one summer we were literally at Heisman's every weekend for somebody's show. If it, if it, if we weren't playing, we were there for other people's shows, like every weekend. Um, Odell, for anybody, most people listening to this probably doesn't. Don't, not only do they not know the Waldorf music scene in the '90s, they probably don't even know what Waldorf, Maryland is. Um, what do you want people <laughs> to know about the Waldorf music scene? Uh, that uh, it's not just good Charlotte. No, oh, no, um. No, it was just, it was awesome. It was fun. Um, everybody, it was such a diverse group of mu- music musicians. It was funny how um, a lot of bands were formed just because everybody hung out and then all of a sudden people realized that this person played or that person played and, or you played with somebody else that played with somebody else. So it was, um, it's almost everybody as if we ha- were just all drunk hanging out and like some elf came and stuck instruments in our hands and we just started playing without even knowing it. It felt like it. That's what it felt like, cause, um, cause I I wasn't really playing until I started hanging out with you guys. I mean, I remember me and Serge sort of tooled around a little bit uh, that Y'all summer, like '94. Yeah, and then yeah, we met you that same summer. '94 was such a pivotal year um, for me personally, and um, yeah, so started playing, and then the rest is history. But it was just everybody hung out, had a good time, enjoyed everybody's music and company, and supported and people came out strong for shows man you i mean wherever we, we played even if once we started playing in dc and and in baltimore you know you usually it was a it was a nice turnout for the stage shows. one and in virginia know. we started expanding our yeah. reach outside and um, we've got another call who is on the line hey what's up guys it's jr glass from next step up and wake up cold and many other bands hey guys nice. oh snap what's up man <laughs> Dude, I'm so glad to finally get you on the show. I've known you for years, and um, I've had this show for like six years, and we finally got you on here, man. I could not be happier. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Well, I, I'm glad to be able to finally oblige. Thanks for the invite. And apologies, like, <clears throat> my voice is shot. I was just in the studio blowing my vocals out <laughs> last night. But uh, Oh, wow. Happy to be a part of it, man. Thanks for inviting me. Nice, man. You're like actually one of the last cats. You and like Jason Netherton are kind of like the last cats left from that scene that are still proactively playing music. At least yeah, the guys well, that I, I hung I out with. I can't hold a candle to Jason, but 
you know, uh, between him and John, but between fetus and index, yeah, it's uh, that yeah, is man. Strong. <laughs> I'm more doing dad core type stuff, you know, playing a show here or there, you know, not doing any touring or anything like that, but uh, still having fun, man. Always in it for the fun. That's what, That's it's, what it's all about. about. All right, hey, so I'm going to ask you the question I always ask people from that scene, from that time era, when we have them on these types of shows. Was the Waldorf, St. Mary's, Southern Maryland, however you want to quantify it, music scene truly special of the 90s? Was it a truly special scene that was unlike any other scenes going on in the country at the time? Or are we romanticizing it because we were a part of it? Uh, you know, I you know, I guess I bring a different perspective because I didn't get down there as often. I wasn't from there, but every time I played there, man, I had such a great time. We, uh, you guys had great turnouts. I even booked a couple of shows at Wilmer's Park on the inside before, and man, great turnout, all great people. You know, I think Wilmer's Park was particularly uh, a neat space because it was outdoors and you could do a lot more there than. Geez, I've seen anybody get away with it anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. I mean, I've really been enjoying um, the uh, the Facebook page that you put up recently with all the pictures from like the Wicked Sand Jam and man and uh, like Divulsion and FDA and I mean, so many great bands from back then. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it and you know I think you guys did have a special. Do I make you feel um, old, Jr. Putting those pictures up what? and those videos up. Did I make you feel old? You did, man. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, uh, what was I thinking? You know, like, uh, Jenkos were popular at one point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's one of those, you know, okay, I didn't need to see those photos, but, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a time and a place. So, until you have the guts to put up your, like, super long Billy Cyrus mullet with pegged jeans, then you could come talk to me. Because that's what I was sported in, like, the, let's say, mid to late 80s. Oh, no. It was quite embarrassing. <laughs> so tell me what you got going on in music now, and um, if you've got a presence online where everybody can find you. Um, yeah, so uh, I was, I'm, I'm performing in this band called Secret Society. Um, it's a project band, really. That that's started, a great uh, name, by the way. I can't believe a band hasn't been named that yet. Well, you know, it's not the first band, but it's probably one of the first hardcore bands uh, named Secret Society. It's been started by um, this mad Bulgarian dude named Dobromir, who played in this huge uh, band out of Europe called Last Hope. And he had the pleasure and privilege of basically being the opening act for every Euro American band that would tour Europe over there. So he knows he's well plugged in, like the guys in AF and Madball and Sick of It All and whatever band he's played with. Um, and he happened to move to DC and he works for the world bank. And I ran into him at a show and he's like, you're in next step up. Oh my God. I loved your band. I'm putting out this record and I'm having people from all different bands perform on it. Would you be interested? So I said, shit. Yeah. So I did like three songs that he put out like a 12 or 15 song, uh, CD and I performed on three or four of the songs. And he said, Hey, I'm trying to get a local version of the band together would you be interested? And it just so happened my other band, um, Oldham Boys that I was doing for a few years, um, broke up. So I was like, yeah, it just it kind of fell into place. So we've played just a few shows, but, um, 
you know, we're writing a new record. We're in recording right now. And who's with, in um, Secret Society? Anybody from back in the day, or is this all new people? So it, it's it's got members. So kind of it's got the base the base of the band now is this guy Dobromir from Bulgaria who plays guitar. Uh, this guy Medi who used to be in Diecast out of Boston. He plays other guitar. We got Justin from Teamster on bass and Kyle who was in Payback on the drums. Holy shit! It's like a have- hardcore super group. Yeah, and John from Doggy Dog yeah. also uh, performs with us as well. So it's kind of oh, like snap. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting, but it's all like 90s-style, angry, beat-down, hardcore, chugga-chugga, you know, mosh pit kind of stuff, um, a la the next step up-ish. So it, it naturally appealed to me. And uh, we're recording a five-song uh, EP right now with um, Mike from Darkest Hour at his studio. And uh, I was in there doing the vocals for some nice. stuff last night, which is why I can't talk. But uh, yeah, so that's what I've been doing, and it's got it's kind of. Is he in Baltimore? You know, retired. So I'm in Baltimore. These guys are based out of D.C. and Northern Virginia area, so it's kind of nice. I'm the one that drives the farthest for this. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much. It's kind of the same composition back when Wake Up Cold played. We had people that were kind of like Southern Marylandish, D.C. ish, Baltimore ish. So these guys are like kind of spread around uh, the the Delmarva area. I mean, um, D.C., Northern Virginia, Baltimore area. Right on. All right, let's take a minute and play some Next Step Up.
All right, guys, we, we're back. That was Heavy by Next Step Up. Um, JR, who did you say this song was dedicated to? This goes out to my buddy, uh, Mike Powell's son, Nate. Uh, thanks for sending me the files, man. I'm glad you that the next the younger generation still listens. Right on. And we've got Kevin in here from Dionic. JR, did you play a lot of shows with Dionic back in the day? Uh, we played a couple. I don't know how many specifically. That was uh, quite some many brain cells ago. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let me pass this question around, too. <laughs> Because Good Charlotte came right. up earlier, and we've got a bad history with Good Charlotte, like a personal history, where they were like, if you show up at Asia Festival, security's going to jump you. And they were like calling Paco a spick and all this crazy shit over Yahoo Messenger. This was so many years ago. But Good Charlotte is like, they get rocks thrown at them when they come to town. Kevin, why do you not like Good Charlotte? Like, how come everybody uh -huh. hates... I have my own reasons, but why does everybody d despise Good Charlotte so much? Right. I, I don't really despise them as much as it just seems kind of phony. My wife went to school with them, and, you know, and there was some song, I guess it was their first one that got played on the radio, and it was, you know, the, the I think one of some of the lyrics were like the, the cool kids drive convertibles, and we had to ride the bus, and she tells me that that's. You know, they were the popular kids, the, like the twins. They were the popular ones. They were the ones that drove to school. Their parents were rich. You know, it just it was kind of fake. Odell, you kind that's, of feel that, the that's same really way. About it. I don't have any animosity towards them, really. And I'm not going to make this a good Charlotte Bashing episode. I'm just curious right. because I've had my own history with them, but I've always been curious why they get like <laughs> no respect in the local scene. You would think they'd be hometown heroes. And they come back, right. and it's like, yeah, Freebird, motherfucker, get out of here. Well, there was there's so much <laughs> talent down there in, in in Maryland, you know, and and for them to be the ones that make it, it's just like a huge kick in the nuts to everyone else that's down there that's busting their ass and and getting nowhere. Do you feel the same, Odell? Yeah. Because there's a lot of bands, and I won't put even Steve on this list because we just danced around with a blow up doll and screamed nonsense. But Onus was a real band. <laughs> Bionic was a real band. FDA was a real band. I mean, you guys, I couldn't even tune my fucking instrument. You guys were real <laughs> bands that knew what you were doing. And for a band like Onus, not to make it out of Waldorf, but good Charlotte did, I do think that rubs people the wrong way. Exactly. So is that what it's all yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, I mean, it was one of those things, I know for us, um, I knew one of them, because one of the guys worked with my sister in the mall. So it was one of those things where it was a lot of, um, um, and, and Kevin can attest to this, they, they would like try to kiss up to you. Like, so they right. would try to take advantage of that situation. So like if I went in there to visit my sister when I was home from school, they were like, oh man, hey, we hear you're playing in DC now. You know, man, y'all are so good, so good. Um, how do we get in there? And, or how do we do that? Or well, people and then the next thing you know, you know, I'm... They started off as a Christian rock band, a My Brother's Place band with a little halo yeah, over yeah. their logo. And we used to live behind St. Mary's Church. And I can't tell you how many parties we had where, like, AA would be, you know, walking out of the back of the church smoking cigarettes. And we'd be like, woo! Like on a trampoline, fucking drunk, slamming beers, like 50 people in the front yard. <laughs> and Benji and Joel came over our house right before I threw one of those first um, Wilmer's Park shows. And they were really, really tight with our singer at the time, Jason Budd. And they were offended. 
They were like, this yeah. is offensive that you're doing this. You live behind. Because the, the building we lived in used to actually be the administrative building for the church. And they had converted right. it into apartments, three apartments. So they were actually really offended by that. And then you see the nonsense that they're talking about now. And it's like, huh, I thought you guys were a Christian rock band. I don't know if people knew that when they were... When when they blew up, were they still carrying that Christian rock band? No, or they, they, they dropped it. Nah. They they tried to change it because a lot of people were calling them out on it. So they were like, "No, we were just about, you know, whatever." And it was like, "No, dude, you used to draw the fishes on your arms with markers and all that stuff." <laughs> we played, oh you know, because we played with them. A, we we played with them a few times. So it was like, and it was one of those yeah, things where it was. It, yeah, yeah, and it wasn't genuine. It was, it, and I think that's what rubbed people the wrong way is the fact that it wasn't genuine. And then the fact that you would come out and your claim, and the thing that really irked me, I think it rubbed people the wrong way, was the way they dogged Waldorf. I mean, we all have our inside jokes about Waldorf, but they're in a loving way. And they were always like, well, we came from this little podunk town called Waldorf, and look where we are now, because it was so you know podunk and all this stuff. And it's like, Dude, what are you talking about? You know, you know. So they they took that and 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 sort of gave Walter for a, a a little like short, sort of reversed it, if you will, and instead of making it like a positive sounding thing, they made it sound like it was so hard and it was so rough and and life was so hard for them here in Walt. And, yeah, you know, I'm down sure it's Waldorf. rougher today than it ever was. We've got another call. Hey, Jr., I'm going to get you out of here. Um, but thanks for calling right. in, man. I really appreciate it. We've got to have you back and just kind of talk about your music projects because you've got so much great stuff spanning over the years and you've contributed so much to the scene. I've got to pick your brain for a solid half hour. One day. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, man, I'm interested in hearing that. Like. All right, man. Take care. Peace. Kevin, I don't think I asked you yet. This is the standing question when we do shows like that. Was the Waldorf scene truly special in the 90s? Was it some, Were we doing something that had a unity that some guy in fucking Wichita didn't have, like in his music scene? Or are we looking back with like star-studded eyes and going, oh, it was this great scene, but it was just like any other scene full of kids back in that day? Well, I think it was great. Uh, I mean, I had a blast. I knew that. Um, was it unusual, like though, that, do you think, compared to other local scenes? I really couldn't tell you. I mean, uh, that was not the only scene I knew of, you know, at the time. So I see around here where I'm at now in Pennsylvania, I do see bands, you know, playing clubs, like the same set of bands. But I don't know if they're if that's intentional or if that's, you know, someone booking it like that. Like, I know you busted your ass and did a lot of work and, got a lot of shows for everybody and that was pretty cool um but yeah i can't really speak to its uniqueness or not just because you know, i was only from you know in the one place then well let me switch this over to dorsey because andy you're a musician's musician do you feel like that waldorf <laughs> scene in the 90s was special or do you think there was a million waldorf scenes going on at the time in this country this reminds me of that song that pavement did years ago when it uh, they had the line, and it songs mean a lot when songs are bought. You know, if if the groups had gotten bigger and you know than what we did, then uh, you know, yeah, it 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 really means something. But I mean, you know, every city has got just hundreds of bands that make great music—not good music, but great music. It'll never right. be heard though. That's just the way it goes, you know. 
And but yeah, do you think was... we were outside of the box? I mean, because like Odell said earlier, Onus and like Wake Up Cold playing or Undermine playing—that's a weird combination. I don't think a lot of people in the '90s were mixing all these different genres of music like our Waldorf scene was. Um, probably not as many, but I'm sure that there were probably some cities that did that. But yeah, that was a unique thing that we did. That you know, just a lot of different styles. You know, uh, Doug. You know, the bass player that I have admired for quite a long time, his style is way different than mine. You know, Kevin is a banging bass player. Underrated as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, dude, I swear to you, dude. <laughs> and, um, yeah, which is, oh, my baby's, oh, I thought you were offering me a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, man, it's just the, the, the pink stuff. Ah, Lord have mercy. Kevin, yeah. um, I remember watching you do warm-ups and playing a Peanuts tune and just being fucking blown away. You're like playing two different parts of the bass. <laughs> Your yep. chops. Yeah, I remember that. And that's something that always stuck with me. And here I am beating like three chords on my bass. Like, look at me. I got my blow-up doll and I'm <laughs> beating these same three fucking chords. And here comes Kevin. He's like, and I'm like, like hanging my head like Snoopy and shame, doom, 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 and fucking slinking away. I mean, Kevin, you guys were musicians, didn't, man. Yeah, Kevin, didn't you do uh, neck tapping when you did that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, I it was to. outstanding, and this and what you brought to Dionic, mixing that in, and then you had Fiola who had like that fucking ICP rap influence, and then you had Godfrey right. who was just like. They just let the guy out of the mental institution and was like, write some fucking songs. <laughs> that band was such an amalgam of so many different... It was like a really a hybrid type of band. I was always blown away by the chops of Dionic. It was crazy to me that such a thing could exist back then. Oh, thanks. Very yeah, I, I really like being in that band. That was, you know, we all each kind of did our own thing, but it all kind of clicked, and we were all like on the same wavelength, I guess. Yeah. By the you way, Eric Ebox yep. said to tell everybody hi, by the way. We've got a couple other callers, so let me get through this real quick, and I'll get the Oh, new that's my dog, man. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ian. Ian! Ian! Hey, hey. Get the front door! What? <laughs> oh, uh, now! What's up, partner? <laughs> what's happening? It's man? been a minute, man. This is Odell. <laughs> yeah, brother. That's my jam. Hey, you guys are reconnecting. Let's Good to hear your voice, man. Let's take yeah, a quick do, break man. to play some Dionic. Shit, you're on! Take another hit, motherfucker! Don't do not be 
All righty, guys. That was Dionic. We are back. Um, Kevin Howard, we've got to get you out of here because we've got Foil, a couple guys from Foil on the line. But real quick, what happened with Dionic? I remember you guys went through this weird phase where you started <laughs> adding like DJs and rappers. I, it just seemed like it got out of hand. Yeah, I saw you guys did. play at did. Jack's and it was like, I don't understand what's going on here. Right. I, I think we should have dropped the name after the majority of the you know, original members left. But uh, I think Sayola got locked up and then Kevin Miller, our drummer, quit because of his wife. You know, I mean, he, he was the only one with a family, so I can understand that. But and then it, it just kind of went downhill and we were like, oh, we need a new drummer and a new guitar player and new this and people that would come and hang out at our practice ended up just being in the band. and. <laughs> did you guys have the meeting there. like we're done we're over or did it just slowly kind of dissolve it, it was kind of like a slow thing yeah i think we were just beating a dead horse for a long time but you've got that demo out man i think it's got five tracks on it and it is an, a mind-blowingly incredible demo i still want to like get one Thanks. of these editing movie programs i have and put a music video together i think um, that's going to be my next big project now that i'm not doing that waldorf page as much and start making music videos of all these old Waldorf bands. That would be awesome. So, that would be I, great. Kevin, thank you so much for calling in. We have got Ian and Thanks, Kenny on the all line. Right. My God, Ian Bellafiore. Yeah. All right, what's peace up? out, y'all. Nick, what's up? Hi, man? Kevin. Yeah, all right. All right, Kevin. Peace out, man. Yep. Y'all take it easy. All right, I think <clears> we still got Dorsey with us, right? Roll call. Yes, Dorsey's sir. still with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here, man. Right Dorsey, on. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How's it going? So let me ask you guys the standing question here, Kenny and um, Ian, because this is the question I always ask of these shows. You guys were in foil. You grew up in the Southern Maryland music scene. Was the Southern Maryland music scene truly special? The the unity, the, the just the collective type of music that we had, or are we over romanticizing it? And there was a million Waldorf music scenes during the nineties. I don't know. I think it was pretty good from my perspective. I think we had a we had a lot of fun with the uh, house parties and stuff like that. And oh yeah, seems to be having a good time. I don't know. I mean, there may have been yeah. other uh, music scenes that were going on at the same time, but I don't know if everybody was friends. You know, right? And I think that's what made it special. Kenny, you with us? Yeah, I'm here. And, and just to just to clarify, I wasn't. I was the fifth member. I was the videographer. Uh, you know, the guy, the road guy. So I wasn't actually in the band, but I was in the band. If you follow what I'm saying. Yeah, but so, you were a big uh, part of that scene back then. And of course, yeah, you were a huge part of that thing, brother. On it. <laughs> Looking back, is it like we're like, oh my god, there's never been a scene like this before, or was the exact same thing going on in like Walla Walla, Washington? Or in Columbus, Ohio, well, or in fucking Spokane, Washington, or whatever. I honestly don't know, man, because when when Ian and Ray started playing, I was actually away at college, uh, my first in college, and then I came back to Waldorf. Uh, you know, the, the guys started playing together, you know, in a shed somewhere. Uh, somewhere in, in Waldorf, and then you know, once we got to Salisbury, or I got to Salisbury. Uh, Ian ended up coming up there, uh, and then him and Ray started playing more and more together, creating a band, and then then you, you guys, Burgundy, 
Ian Steven, Kid Dynamite, uh, Dionic, uh, Stickman, all those guys came up. And that, that was that, that was actually my introduction, honestly, to that scene. Uh, and then, you know, Ian would be, you know, say, hey, you know, you want to come back to uh, Guardian uh, Comics there in, in Smallwood Village yeah. <laughs> and, see, and, and see a show. And I'm like, really? Isn't that the place where Larry used to be? And uh, so I mean, that was that. Was, and then we would drive back and we would drive back and race TRX, uh, and you know, enjoy you know sit on the floor thoroughly enjoy you know the music that was going on. So that honestly, that was my introduction to that scene. Uh, and man, I will tell you what, when, when we were in Salisbury, when we were at Salisbury, uh, and we were able to get you guys to come up, uh, that was awesome. Uh, one of the best memories I have is I'll never forget it is Dorsey freaking out like, Oh my God, this is the best burger, our biggest burger I've ever had. Cause we were, we would do our <laughs> best to feed, feed and, you know, give you guys alcohol and whatever you guys needed. If we could get gas money for you guys to get back home, we would, but man, those were some uh, sick were some... house parties, man. I remember that. And Ian, we Dude, were talking man, they earlier. Were, oh my gosh, man. One That's of the insane. things that made that scene was you could be in Salisbury, you could be in D.C., you could be in Cootstown, yep. you could be in Percival, and you would still look out into a sea of people, and you could pull out the same 30 or 40 cats from Waldorf. Yep, absolutely, and, man. You guys remember the, the night I moved into the uh, farmhouse, and um, we had uh, all the bands come down, and we basically had a festival at the Unknowing Landlord's farm yeah. property. Yeah, yeah and, and what you guys had to be two and a half hours from Waldorf, right? Yeah, I think uh, that's yeah, about right. Yeah, we were we were just outside of Ocean City. Uh, so it, next time, if any of you guys go mm-hmm. to Ocean City, uh, just before it's about I can't remember Ian. Is it mile marker ninety six? I mean, there's a mile. I can't honestly. I can't remember the mile marker, but the house is. No I think it was one of seven, bro. Maybe that's it. But uh, we yeah, it's still there. I think Nick. I think Nick even like uh, had his band, and he decided for the night they were going to name it Mile Marker One Hundred Seven, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I don't remember that, but it's possible. We were pretty silly. But I know I, yeah. I played your house as Ten Commandments with Chris Lane and Paul Finnamore, and somebody else was in that playing drums. Who the hell was playing drums? I don't even remember. Oh, Jim Carrey. Paul Finnamore was playing drums. Jim Carrey. And Chris Lane, and then I played there with even Steven, of course, with Jason, Bud, CJ, and Paco. Right, right, yep. And you guys so, also yep. our basement. Yep. Yes, indeed. And there yes. was some fun shit. Yeah, Dynamite man. played up there a bunch. Oh, we've got that. Well, I've got yeah, we used to play up there. House. We played up there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. We played at the coffee house. Then we went back to you guys' house and played. Like, like oh, that was like yeah. the routine thing, man. I was, yeah, that was some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, we had the yep, after party. Yep. We had the after party back at the house after. Uh, what was the name of that uh, coffee shop, uh, Kenny? Uh, Beanie. Yeah, I think so. Something cheesy like that. I actually have. I think I actually have two of the flyers that we put up around Salisbury somewhere here. Uh, you know, there was a kid dynamite. And um, I can't remember the other Salisbury band that were there. Uh, um, but no, yeah, it was Beanie's, uh, the farmhouse. And then um, 
we did have a party. One of the coldest parties was at uh, Stickman and I think Greer. I'm not sure if it was it was Greer, a local band from Baltimore. Was it was it a band? I can't remember if that was a Salisbury band, but they came up and it was like literally extension cords out and into two by four stage. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was cold. You know what? I actually, I got, I got video of everybody's, you know, during the, during the break, song, you know, puffing on their fingers, trying to warm up. But it was one of the, it was one of the coldest <laughs> nights, but people kept playing. So. And I think um, one awesome. of the things, you know, one of the things that come to mind, Odell, is I think of like Eminem when he talks about being hungry. We were fucking hungry, and we played mm-hmm. everywhere and anywhere. And we would just have like absurd shows in fields and backyards, just anywhere we wanted to have shows, we would have shows, dude. And everybody would still come out, no matter how ridiculous. How many times would we play the comic book store or an Italian restaurant? Fucking Fiorelli's, for God's sakes. (laughs) Hey, Nick, how about those shows you used to set up down on uh, U Street, man? It was like a Jamaican joint. I can't remember the name of it. Ooh, that place was cool. I remember what you called it. Oh, Copper House. Oh, yeah, yeah. we played our first piece of show in Coffee House. Yeah, I have a totally different show. Dude, I was so green. That was one of the first shows I ever booked. I was so green. And I went up to the bartender who happened to be the owner. And I was like, hello, Mr. Coffee House guy. Uh, How do I book a show here? (laughs) And he was a Jamaican dude. He's like, you got $40, man. I was like, yeah. He's like, you're booked. Give me $40. You can have the place. (laughs) <laughs> and that's all it was. The dude was just like, give me fucking forty bucks, and you can have a Thursday night. I was like, oh, well, I guess putting shows together is a little bit less glamorous than I thought it was. Holy shit! Okay, right, producer, producer, hopping in I'm here. A- uh, Brad, are you on speakerphone? I'm on. Yes. Okay, but are you on speakerphone? Oh, <laughs> on, on speaker? No, okay. I'm not on speakerphone. Okay, wait. I heard everybody echo, and now I don't hear everybody echo. Maybe. Somebody's telling us. That could be my signal. Right? Okay, we're good. Okay, you're right, fine. We're Brad, not live we're anymore, so I here. can cut any of this out. So you're good. Okay, go All right, ahead. Brad, we're going to get you here in one second. Let me get foil out because it's starting to get to be too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen here. Um, so, Brad, hang tight for a minute. We'll get you in, and then we got to get out of here. All right. All right. Let's talk some foil and we're gonna play some last straw here in a minute, but Ian Kenny, yes. what happened with what was the inception of Foil, and kind of give me a timeline, and what was the demise of Foil? Okay, yeah, I think uh, I guess that was around '96 uh, when Foil started. Uh, Ray and I have been trying to get a band together, and uh, I was in uh, English 101 with uh, Kevin, who was the guitar player for Foil. And uh, him and I were talking, we had some similarities and music interests and stuff like that. And so we decided to get Kevin, me and Ray. And then uh, our first drummer was Shane. And um, then we started playing at the farmhouse. And um, from then on, we moved over to College Avenue. And I think that's when we started actually putting some songs together and playing some shows. And, um, you know, we were always linked up with you guys, Eden, Steven, Kid Dynamite, uh, Worldwide 3, those guys were always around, yep. uh, Mega Men, uh, you know, all the crew. College and, uh, Avenue days were 
the College Avenue days were 90, it was that 98 time, right when the Recess Fest was, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were still at College Avenue during the uh, Recess Fest. Yep. And uh, that was a blast. I think that like was the first oh. band out there was like Juice Mafia. We played on the side stage, even Steven. Um, Kid Dynamite played over there. I remember Undermine playing on yep. the main stage. Kid Dynamite, you guys might have played on the main stage. You guys were big stars then. Wow, that oh, must Lord, have been a blast. You, know, <laughs> you, you guys want to hear something stars? really crazy. So I um, I've, I never saw you guys, any of you guys play because I lived in Indiana and probably upstate New York at the time. That's no fucking excuse. You yeah, should have been there. I know, I know. <laughs> so here's the cool part. I recently started working at a nonprofit um, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and my office mate just happens to be from the D.C. area. And when I told him the band that Nick was from, even Steven, and I mentioned Wicked Sand Jam, he knew who those people were. And he's like, I don't know, he's at, le- he's at least five years younger than me. And he's like, oh my gosh, I totally heard about them. I, t- you know, I totally recognize that name. I totally know who Wicked, what Wicked Sand Jam is. And I was like, seriously, what are the odds that I would happen to work at a nonprofit um, you know, over all the way out here in bumfuck nowhere, and he happens to know who this. Let me tell are. you something. Even Craziness. Steven had twelve fans, so that's, it's no surprise right. to me that, right. that somebody Absolutely. heard. He was one of that collective. Absolutely. All right. Um, Ian, Kenny, we are going to get you guys out of here so we can get Brad in here because we've got to wrap this up. All right, man. Ian, good to hear from all you. Right. Kenny, both of you guys, yeah, thanks so much yeah, for coming, guys. In, man. All right, boys. Thanks thanks right, guys. Good talking to you guys. Good talking to you guys. It was All good right. hearing you guys, man. And we're going to yeah, play some Last Straw from Foil.
All righty, we are George back. Oh, Brad, yeah, what's Brad, up, brother? It's good to hear you, man. <laughs> My God. You too, bro. You too. It's been past, too long. Man. Now, everybody oh, get yeah. your virtual hug so I can gain control of the show again. Ah, your system. <laughs> Let's have a big digital circle jerk, and then I can get back to business. <laughs> All right, sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, so um, let's talk some even Steven, Brad, and um, Dorsey, I, Odell, I'll throw this out to all you guys. Has there ever been a band that has as many members as even Steven? I think we had like 42 members or something over the years. Something like that. I, I think you had about a third of Waldorf up until I joined. Um, I'm sorry. I think Menudo has you beat. They tend to change members every three years when somebody hits puberty. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, but they just execute the guys when they hit puberty. That's we except that for harsh. Ricky Martin. They let Ricky Martin live because he was cute. Yes, he's the only one. <laughs> All right, so, okay, let's get back. so we're running a tight second. Yes, always story of our lives. Always a bridesmaid, <laughs> never a bride. Right? Yeah. Amen. So let's talk about um, even Steven. I don't. We had a weird demise, right? Because we never. And I was talking. Um, who was I talking to? I was talking to Kevin about this about Dionic. We never had to sit down, like wipe our hands, wipe the dust. Oh, we're done, guys. We just kind of stopped playing music, and we had that kid Adam. Adam who, Ballard from Philadelphia, I think it was. Yeah. Who just drove, like, no, he took a bus down from Philadelphia to Norfolk. Yeah, just to sing for us. Yeah, how'd that work out for him? That didn't work out very well. (laughs) I think he he had, like, a special forces father who uh, came down and scooped him up and took him to enlist him in the military, I think it was. Yeah, a lot of people that came in, even Steven, got chewed up and spit out. I was telling a story earlier today on the phone about cj and how when i met him um he was like working at red lobster in college living at his folks house had a new car it like had his shit together and six months later he's like licking couch cushions and trying to get coke uh, he's like fucking fired homeless wrecked oh car God. no job like even oh. steven just destroyed that cat yeah i realize i'm in a whole new world here when i saw when i witnessed that Right, but I mean, it was like even Steven and Odell, you noticed, Dorsey noticed, we weren't off the rails, but I think you take a guy who didn't really have a lot of friends, he wasn't popular in high school, and you propel him into a world of just playing shows all of a sudden, and all of a sudden girls find him interesting, and he just cracked up. He cracked, right? Yeah, Um, yeah, he couldn't handle the pressure. I just don't think he could deal with all of it. It was just too much. It just fell apart. It was too much. Yeah. Or just having too much fun and let it get away. Yeah. And I think, um, when was the end of Onus? Did Onus actually end? Did you guys sit down and go, this isn't working out? Or was it just like you stopped practicing and drifted away? Uh, Bruce broke us up. That damn recording studio. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was um, pretty much the last bit was, I think, Dave... um, we were supposed to play. Well, we ended up. We still played. We were we were getting ready to play Jacks, and I think um, we played our last show without Dave. Him. Yeah, last show. Yeah, last show without him. He uh, he said he was done playing. So we had a like a falling out there for a bit. So just some responsibility but that was, that issues. Was, but that was for like a contest, and um, it was like 138 bands. I remember this, and we came in like ninth, and so they invited. Yeah, we us made the to, finals. Right. They invited us to play one show, one additional show besides this contest. And so we got to play that. Right. But unfortunately, 
Dave decided to dip out. So we did our last show as a three-piece, which is how we started, ironically. What? Wow, full circle. What made him decide to dip out? I have no idea <laughs> what happened. I mean, that, he, that, I, I, you know, I don't want to... Yeah, yeah. I really don't remember. I, just, I honestly, okay. I, 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 I honestly don't remember. Brad, um, let me ask yeah. this question, and we got to get everyone out of here. Things are going yeah. down. What? And this, I'm asking this question all night. Was the Waldorf music scene, in your impression, a special scene that did that like existed in a vacuum? It didn't exist anywhere else, or were we like any other scene, and we're just kind of over romanticizing it because we were part of it? Uh. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tough one there. I had, I haven't, I had, I haven't really sat and tried to uh, process that one. Um, I think it was special because we were a part of it, you know. Because yeah, we had a, we had a great group of friends, and we made some incredible memories and just the gatherings and you know the shit we got into. You know, like you said, man, um, earlier the places we played. You know, you we'd play whoever would have us, and. You Usually remember the micronauts, crap. those little crap. toys that were interchangeable, and you could put like the head of one micronaut on this other robot body. Do you guys Dude, remember that? Little, little bit. You? I felt like that's what the Waldorf scene was like. And one time, I sat down in my apartment in La Plata and tried to make a fucking flow chart of everybody that was in everyone's band. And when I got to layer three, I was like, "I'm out. I can't. This is just too much." <laughs> Everybody was in everybody's band, and I don't think that existed. I mean, you could you could trace it as like this guy was in these nine bands who were who spawned these four bands, who was who birthed these seven bands over here. These two went on to be famous. These six like crash and burn, and then this guy rose from the ashes and started this disco project over here, who gave birth to this country music. Like it was the craziest thing. I sat down with a big giant piece of poster board one day. It was I think it was me and Jamie Stocky, and we were sick. Sitting there trying to draw out who was in everyone's band, and there were so many lines, dude. It looked like a fucking minotaur maze. We couldn't make heads or tails of it after an hour. <laughs> and I, I think that was different. When do you categorize somebody as officially being in a band? Now, when you're practicing and jamming with a handful of people, or when you play some live shows? I mean, you I know what you my play, impression yeah. always was. It's like, dude, if you go and fix someone's sink and get paid, you're a professional plumber. So if I show up at your fucking house and you give me ten dollars, I'm a professional musician. You're a professional musician, right? So in my mind, it was always like if you play out, if you play a live show with somebody, you're in that band with them. At least you're to in some that degree, band, right? Yeah, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd agree with you there. Yeah, so I, with, and then you're a band. Uh, yeah, don't yeah. interrupt. But uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Undermine. Someone mentioned them earlier. I was in that band for a brief period. Uh, okay. Shout out to Bill Jarbro. Jody, uh, Crabtree, all those guys. Undermine was a wicked ass band to play in. So, how many shows did you play with them at Sand Jam? I thought you played with them at Sand Jam. I played, yeah, one of them we played, Nick, and it was. I remember I looked at my watch when we went on. It was three thirty in the morning. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what time Undermine. We were the last band. And we took the stage at 3.30 in the morning, dude. And I was just like, I, I, I was pissed because I was like, all right, I don't want to get drunk. Because like their shit was like more complicated because I, I wasn't in the band that long. And they're, you know, it, it, you know, it's like thrash, hardcore metal and whatnot. And um, yeah, I was like, man, just don't let me fuck up, man. Because they're like, you know, really, you know. Does it matter precise. if you fuck up at 3.30 in the morning, though? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the bad thing about it is, you know, and 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 I, I'm sure all of us have seen the tapes. You know, when when you're playing a show, you kind of get the feel from the audience. But man, that kid dynamite show that we did was pretty bad. <laughs> Which one is? I that? mean, uh, uh, I I don't know if it was the wicked person shows like or the fucking was the best shows. Show. It was dude. the one. It was the one where I was wearing the purple jacket. Oh, that was Recess Fest, 98. Yeah, dude. That was pretty bad. Yeah. don't. don't I mean, I always thought those person shows, those were kind of the catalyst that kicked everything off. Right, Odell? That's when I found out I wanted to be a a promoter, and I wanted to do, like, I wanted to throw concerts, because, so here I am, I'm throwing this concert at Burson's house. And, you know, his dad, the way we got this to happen is we told his dad there'll be lots of beautiful women there. And I just remember when Chris Donaldson was playing Brass Monkey by the um, Beastie Boys as he was warming everything up, and Burson's dad, Virgil, was out there dancing with, like, three girls doing Brass Monkey. And I was like, all right, we're having a party. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it ended up 400 (laughs) people showed up there, and the fucking Chuck County police had to set up roadblocks to stop people from coming down there. And I had pigs yeah. there, I had bands, yeah. I had DJs, and I was like, why Why am I not just running out of venue and doing this for a living if I can do this at some like shitty house off of Bellinger? That, that show made the Maryland Independent. Did it? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it made, the, the, it made the local papers that the, the following... It was like in the All crime... Right. in the. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the crime thing, it was like... Charles County police were dispersed on a party that had nearly 500 people on blah, blah, blah road. I'll never forget it. My sister had the article. Um, and uh, the roads was because that one road was blocked. Yeah, the road was blocked off because they thought suspicious activity was going on up there. Because remember, they all came up there with like latex gloves on. And, and we were like, why are the police officers, why are they wearing latex gloves? What's going on? And, uh, and they were like, <laughs> yeah. The first people we had but yeah. Darren was up on the fucking roof of the camcorder. I individual. had a fucking camcorder. And this was pre like whipping out your iPhone when the cops show up. And Darren's like, we got you on tape. We got you on tape. And we drove the cops off that property, dude. And people are like, we're not fucking leaving. And then Starbucket went on. So even after the cops broke up the party, there was still at yeah. least 100 people there watching Starbucket. There was still 100 and some people there when start. Yeah, and they were like after the whole thing like broke up and 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 uh and they were still still people there cuz I remember um I still have the photo. I have it in a frame somewhere around here of uh April taking it uh she took a photo behind me um on the drums and looking out toward the people and you can just see nothing but like people as far as you can see. It was just like, it was like, cause it was like light, 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 light. Then it was just dark, you know, uh-huh. but you could just see little heads and I could point, I could point out like most of the people in the photos and that were in the front. And it was just like, it's still a, one of my favorite pictures of all time. All right. Well, we got to get out I of here. I actually spent the night there. Yeah. Oh God. And the, and the um, dungeon of horror down. In oh God. God bless you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. And survived, dude. Yeah. Spent the night there. I was just toe up, man. You stayed like, the night there. Anywhere. I, on the floor, dude. I slept on the floor, man. I was like, dude, I don't care if you had to crawl like through glass oh. and hot coals. You got off person's property before you spent the night there. Not me, man. That was <laughs> not a place you wanted to be unconscious. Andy, 
Andy tops it out. I can't believe that I survived it. Yeah, dude, but uh, <laughs> I actually spent the night there, yeah. You, when you, you survive, brother. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have survived. All right, we got to get out of here. <laughs> it's getting close to everyone's bedtime because we're old men. All right, fellas. Um, let's do this yep. one Passover, though, before yes. everybody goes. Andy, for all the people listening who don't know what the Waldorf music scene, who don't even know where Waldorf, Maryland is, what do you want people to know about the Waldorf music scene of the 90s? Um, it was We thought that we were doing something bigger than it was, but it really wasn't. I disagree with you. I think it was as big as we thought it was. So, Dell, do you agree with Andy? Was it? Did we think it was bigger than it was? I never thought that way. No, no, I never, I never thought that way. I thought it was awesome. It was just a a big group of friends that had fun with it and took it as far as it could go. And and from that, I mean, if it wasn't for that, I I wouldn't be playing music nowadays or anything. So, I mean, I I don't um, mean it in a negative way. yeah, but I think we were doing something like once again, dude. I'm I'm one of the people who think we were doing something that wasn't happening like in Bath, Maine. You know, that wasn't happening in Arlington, Texas. I think we were doing something that wasn't was happening in Baton Rouge. <laughs> well, but Sorry. it was a different thing, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think the, the, uh, the mix of yeah. different types of bands, the facts we all shared in each other's band. I just feel like it was something different. And yeah. maybe I'm over-romanticizing, but when I look at those pictures and I look at those videos, especially admin in that Rufus Waldorf page throughout the summer, it just doesn't seem like something that was normal musical business for a local band scene. At least that's how I perceive it. No, It was definitely... No, yeah, it, it, was, it was a very big, diverse mix. You know, you, it was just so many different yeah, styles and yeah. genres of music that would get together at one venue and play, you know, and I think and that was, was something new. I think that was something special right there because yeah. you could get, you could draw a crowd to listen to one genre, but the other bands that would come on that weren't feeling what this crowd was wanting to hear, they could still grab those people. And like I said before, you got on the line, Brad. Yeah. You could be playing in Percival, Virginia. You could be playing in Virginia Beach. You could be playing in Baltimore, and you look out in that sea of people, and you would see at least thirty or forty Waldorf people there. Yeah, didn't matter would. where yes, you were you playing. Would. And I believe that was special. All right, Brad, what do you want everyone to know about the Waldorf music scene? All the kids today who have their fancy tablets and gadgets and their YouTube's. What do you What do you want them to know about the days? Of fucking networking, putting flyers on telephone poles, going up to the mall and handing out flyers, and creating unity face to face, word of mouth. Yeah, it's something I'm. I'm sorry that they're they're going to miss. You know, it's you had a direct involvement with people. You know, not just sitting online. You know, little click of the mouse or swipe of your finger. You know, and throw it out there. You actually had to work. You know, you had to put the you had to put the effort in. Like you said, you were pamp, you were, you know, um, just throwing flyers out there, meeting people. I've seen plenty of people coming out of big venues. You know, guys just sitting there with boxes of tapes and yep. handing them out. Mm-hmm. I That's mean, how Fat Mike started ball. from No Effects, handing out fucking fat yeah. music tapes. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it was a very diverse scene. You know, we had we had a whole bunch of people had a, had a lot of a lot of friends that always came out to hang out. You know, that was the big thing there. It was it was the hangout. It was the before. It was the after. That was, yeah, that yeah. made it special. 
Yep. So let me ask you guys this last thing. What do you guys think when you talk to somebody, and I've talked to people like this, I don't know if you have, who say, I regret those days. I wish I never did those days. I wish like I got my life together at 23 instead of 33. Those days were bad for me. No, I disagree with that. The scene was beautiful, man. I mean, it, it was, it was mm-hmm. charming. It was beautiful, you know, in a word. Right. What do you think yeah. when people say they regret ever being involved in that scene, that it was too much? Well, I'd ask them to take a look at their life today and see where they're at. Did, you know, did part of that fill who they are right now? You know, did they look at the time and, and um, do something else? Are they better than what they are before then? Um, I think if you use the time and get the information that you need and process it and help yourself grow, I mean, how, how could those, those times be not right? You you know, I, mean, I, mean, for, I, I mean, for me, I feel I miss those times, you know, but I know I've grown into a different person and I love thinking back on them, but it also makes me sad, you know, because I'm so far away from everybody and I miss so many people and I get to see, you know, everybody's life. Well, where Brad, to be now. fair, you could send somebody pixels on your phone. So isn't that the same? It's not the same. Smell that. That's sarcasm. And being there in person. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Odell, what do you but think? No, there's, somebody... no re- there's no regrets for me. There's no regrets whatsoever. I feel the exact same way. Odell, any regrets? No, no, heck no. That's, uh, shoot. I mean, um, none whatsoever. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. married to the lady that I'm married to today. That's true. So, well, um, that's another thing. Have family. Yeah. It's almost essential, right? Because a lot of us yeah. all intermarried. I married somebody from the scene for my first wife. You married somebody from our group. Ben married yeah. somebody who kind of came into our group later, but was in our group. We kind of all inter- – it was like Beverly Hills 90210, right? I don't know if it was like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm still the odd man out there. Now, I'm, more yeah, 20675. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, um, Brad, thanks for calling in. Odell, let's close this out. Waldorf music scene, what do you want people in fucking Sacramento, California that never heard of a Waldorf to know? Just, uh, you know, just look at the pattern. You know, it was one of those things that a uh, group of people got together, had a good time. Um, the music, I think the music was the afterthought. I think it was more sort of like what Brad was saying. It was more of the friendship and the camaraderie. Um, and the music was just a bonus. But then it just spawned so much from that and opened so many people's eyes that so many people can come from different backgrounds and, and still enjoy each other's company and have each other's back. So I thought that was the It was truly special. It really and special. for anyone who wants to check it out, look up Rufus Waldorf. Now, there's like some dude from like the Congo, believe it or not, named Rufus Waldorf. There's actually a legit fucking Rufus <laughs> Don't go Waldorf. There. Oh, that's dude. awesome, man. So that's it's, awesome. It's, only you, Nick. Yeah, it's not the black dude from the Congo. Like, like you'll see his picture. That's not the Rufus Waldorf page. It's um actually a four. No, don't go there. It's Onus, FDA, Dionic, and even Steven. Go to that Rufus. I, because, you know, I typed Rufus Waldorf in when I first went go. back to my page to like it. And I was like, wait, there is an actual Rufus Waldorf that exists? 
And I clicked on it, and it's literally like <laughs> fucking Congo or Ethiopia or some shit. So it's not that thing. <laughs> that's your next trip. You got to get a picture with Rufus Waldorf for your page. Oh my god, that's it. Go. Don't these these gonna kick your ass, Brad? Because now I'm gonna drag us <laughs> to fucking Africa. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. How about that? All right, we're gonna get out of here. Um, if you hear some loud, horrible, obnoxious music, it's even Steven. If you hear some technically well put together music, it's Onus. And we'll be back um, in a few weeks with Haley <laughs> Kane from Haley and the Crushers. Good night, guys. All right, guys. Nothing wrong.